Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. Welcome back to the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But That Channel. And we want to remind everybody that we have joined the Off The Ball Network. So we really appreciate wherever you are accessing us from, whether it's Nothing But Net, whether it's in podcast form on any of the podcast websites you may listen. You can also check out all the other great shows on Off The Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com and you can check out all that coverage, whether it's articles, other podcasts, radio shows. We have everything on offtheballnetwork.com, including coverage of all different sports. A reminder that we are sponsored by BetUS. BetUS is the newest sponsor of the Off the Ball Network. They have the fastest payouts in the industry and offer a 125% sign-up bonus when you use promo code OFFTHEBALL in all caps at sign-up. Head over to BetUS.com to sign up today. Again, that's BetUS.com, promo code OFFTHEBALL in all caps. Unlike all the other bars out there that taste either like old Play-Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a Built Bar, you will think you are cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids find out how good these are, you're going to have to buy more because they will be begging for them. They have great flavors such as cookies and cream, double chocolate, strawberry, peanut butter brownie, and much more. Use the code OFFTHEBALL in all caps at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. Again, that's OFFTHEBALL, all caps, at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. Welcome back to The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. We're going to touch on, of course, something that we all want to talk about, and that is the Timberwolves and their play-in win against the Clippers. And, of course, do a little bit of a preview and look ahead to the game against the Grizzlies. Again, welcome to the Howl. Would have been back sooner, actually, but had my computer crash. Made it a little difficult for me to do any recording when my iMac was basically just a paperweight. But here we are, and we are good to go. So it's the night before the playoffs are set to begin for our Timberwolves. I'm excited for the playoffs just as much as anyone else, right? 
And one thing I want to mention, and this is something, you know, we don't really make the playoffs all that often, so it's not really something you think about, but it makes me happy knowing that we're still going to get Jim Peterson, Dave Benz, the Bally Sports North group. We're still going to get to watch that way if we want to. I'm a fan of it. And I don't know about everyone else, but one thing I really like to do, I guess I should preface this, if it's a good game, I kind of like watching both versions, right? So the national telecast as well as the local. I To me, I think that's always a, a fun aspect of national games. But I'll tell you right now, if I can only choose one, I'm choosing the local guys every single time. Jim Pete and Dave Benz are the best in the business. I've heard probably every single set of announcers across the league. And yes, granted it's a low bar as far as what Dave and Jim have to compete against. But man, it's just not close. For me anyways, it's just not close. And I know a lot of Wolves fans uh, would agree. What's great about Jim Peterson is he's so approachable and he's so invested in not only the Timberwolves, the state of Minnesota, but its fan base. I was in a GC up until recently, um, and what was great is Jim Peterson got added at some point, and every so often he would jump in and actually be a part of the conversation. It would be brief, and to be honest, I'm not surprised that uh, he – he would do something like that. Although I'll tell you right now, if he had been in that, in that Twitter GC, as much as I had been, he probably would have left just like I did. And if any of you are listening, yeah, no surprise. Uh, you shouldn't be shocked that I ended up leaving that group. Uh, I got better things to do with my time. So here we are though. Let's, let's talk Timberwolves. So let's looking back at that Clippers game. I went into the game and on the last episode, I touched on this, but for me personally, I felt the Wolves were going to win that game. That's how I felt. I didn't, I guess when you look at the game, I didn't go into it saying this is what the answer is going to be. I didn't think one thing was going to get the job done. I did think there was a number of bullet points that would have gone into beating the Clippers. So first and foremost, one thing that's really plagued the Wolves is... The shooting, we touched on how the f- earlier in the season, Clippers had been playing really poorly. Then they played the Timberwolves, and all of a sudden, they right the ship. Everybody's able to hit every shot they take, and all of a sudden, the Wolves are getting blown out, and it was pretty ugly. I thought when you look at what the team brings now versus what the team brought then, there's a lot of differences, right? When you're talking about whether it's uh, Torian Prince. Now, granted, he ended up not playing. But Torian Prince was nothing back when we played them before. Now he's everything. Of course, again, didn't play, but just an example of a player. And by the way, when we jump into preview Memphis, Chris Finch, it sounds to me like he's optimistic that we're going to get Torian Prince in this series. And not just in the series, but hopefully in game one. That's huge. The other thing that is different about the, the team now versus when we played them before is J-Mac, right? And when I say J-Mac, for the record, I'm talking about Jordan McLaughlin. I'm not J-Mac as in Jaden McDaniels. To me, I'm saying Jaden, I'm saying J-Mac. That's how I differentiate. Now, the funny thing is, of course, another player that did not play in this game. 
But that was part of my mindset. I felt like there's players that are playing better. But the player that is playing better, a lot better than when we first saw the Clippers, and who was a big part of the win against the Clippers here in the play-in, is Malik Beasley. I think we can all agree that the Malik Beasley we're seeing now is more of what we expected to get this whole season. And maybe not the whole first half of the season, but like maybe the first half of the first half, I would say we got a Malik Beasley that was inconsistent at best. It was not great. And now we're getting the guy that can hit shots, and if we're going to look specifically at that Clippers game, Malik Beasley is a guy that can not only hit shots now, but he actually played some decent defense, fought for rebounds. There were a lot of things to like about Malik Beasley in that game. And if you're going to get that in this series, that's a huge difference maker. It absolutely is. Especially, you look at this Clippers team, or sorry, you look at this Grizzlies team, and they have a lot of strengths. They also have some weaknesses that we've been able to exploit in the past. There's a reason why we go into that game 2-2. Two and two. So, anyways, we're going to jump into that a little later. But there's lots to touch on still with this Clippers game. So, uh, a few things to touch on. Obviously, one of the uh, big elephants in the room, of course, is the play of Carl Anthony Towns. Now, I personally give him a pass for having what some have deemed his worst game as a professional. Definitely his worst game in any recent memory for me. But overall... When I look at this game, there's a number of factors that play in. And he addressed some of them in his in his uh, interview yesterday after practice. For anyone that does not know this, the night of that game, that or I should say that day of the Clippers game, that's two years to the day of the last time Carl got to see his mom. And I'll say this. I've seen some people judging him. I've seen some people say, you know what? He's got to get over it. I've seen people saying all number of things that I think are grossly inappropriate. On top of that, the day after that game is when his mom passed away. I just want people to understand, and this is important, and there's a lot of people that don't do this, but players are still people. A lot of people, a lot of fans don't seem to understand that. Or they don't really they don't really seem to possess the ability to understand that or to separate it, right? That like you're a person and you're a player. You're both of those things. But at the same time, people have to realize there's a separation there, right? If I see if I see a player a good example of this would be when you think about celebrities in movies, like movie, like movie stars and things like that, you have to understand that you see someone in the movie and you see them in person, they're just a character on the screen, right? They're not, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is not Tony Stark. He's not actually Iron Man, right? Do people get that? In addition, Carl Towns isn't some character. He's a person. He's an athlete, but he's a person. And I'm sorry, but if you look back two years ago, there were times when Carl Towns talked and you got the impression that he might quit basketball. As fans of this team, and just as fans of basketball in general, fans of Carl Towns, yes, I'm happy that that didn't happen. But you know what? 
if it had, that's okay because it's just basketball. It's just a sport. And I love basketball. I love basketball more than almost anybody. But it's still just a sport. That's all it is. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. We use this as our escape from life. But you have to still understand that what you're watching on the screen is just entertainment. That's all it is. It's not life. It's not life or death. You hear these stories about players and the interactions they have with fans off the court and some of the horrible messages they receive, death threats, other types of threats, whatever you may be. And to me, I've never been in a position where I've thought anything even remotely along those lines, I personally can always, can always separate all of those things. And some people can't. And I just want people to understand when they look back at that game from Carl Towns, he is a person. So not only are you adding, just look at all the things that add up, right? There's tons of pressure on Carl because some people would deem that the first playoff series where he was dealing with, you know, we're playing the Rockies or the Rockets and he's dealing with all the Jimmy Butler stuff and he's dealing with just, it's his first playoffs. So lots of pressure there, right? Well, now you jump into the next series and he's the guy, right? In many instances, a lot of people think of, you know, Carl Towns is the guy now. A lot of pressure. Now you add in the stuff with his family, what's going on with that, right? Add in the issues he's had throughout the season and that he definitely had again in that game against the Clippers with the refs. All of these things add up. There's a boiling over point. That's that's just how life works. Because, again, he's a person. Now, in addition to that, now we're going to jump into this Grizzlies series. And he's going to play how he plays. I personally think he's going to have a good series. And I can judge him based on how he plays in the series as a player. Right? But it doesn't mean if he has a bad series, I need to go and attack him on social media. It doesn't mean I have to go what have you. Right? Yes, it's okay to hold players accountable. It's okay to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I do think that as a player, this is his chance to step up. And is, is it fair to criticize Carl for what he does on the court in this Grizzly series? Of course it is. You can, and yes, you can criticize him for his play in that Clippers game. I just think it's important to understand that, you know what, he's going through some shit. There's stuff going on that's bigger than basketball. That's the bottom line with that Clippers game. And that's why it doesn't bother me all that much. And he said just as much when he, so after practice on Wednesday, he said something along, or sorry, on Thursday, he said something along the lines of it was good to get past those last two days. I think there was a lot going on there. So just keep that in mind. Keep the big picture uh, in mind as you're as you're looking back at that game. Let's uh let's touch more on this. You know, we mentioned the referees in that game. There was a long stretch to start the game where I found myself saying I I can't blame the officials. I just think we're playing poorly and that is how I felt. And let's look at as a whole, a lot of Carl Towns fouls, they were fouls, right? To me, that's not the issue. Now, were they all fouls? I don't think so. There was there were a couple that were maybe ticky-tack to me anyways. I thought a couple that were just kind of, do you really call that? Or is that something we really do? One in particular was very frustrating to me. So 
Carl Towns is being guarded by Nick Batoon. This would have been, I believe this is his, I think it was his fourth foul. Uh, fourth or fifth. No, I think it might have been, now that I say that, I think it was his fifth. And he, first he pushes off on Nick Batoon. And then he runs over, I can't think of who the player was, to be honest. And to me, I'm watching this, it's a foul. I think it's a foul. You know, I wasn't going to dive into it too much. I've seen the replay a few times. I've watched this game back now uh, twice, as well as watched the full game highlights on YouTube a number of times. So I've kind of, I feel like I've dove into this game quite a bit. But to me, the frustrating part about that foul isn't that it was called. Because, again, based on what I've seen, I, I think it's a good call. On the other end of the court, Paul George does basically the exact same thing, and it's not a foul. Except it was on us. It's a foul on Jaden. And that is the problem I have. That is the problem that Carl Towns has. And that's valid. It is a valid issue. Is it, a, it is a valid concern for Carl Towns to be upset that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt that all these other players get. And to me, that's fair. I don't think that's... I don't think it's ridiculous. I don't think it's absurd for him to act that way and for him to be frustrated. And for all these fans to be like, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't react that way. I'm sorry, but you don't know that. I just, it just is one of those things that frustrates me. As fans, we're expecting Carl Towns to be different than everyone else. Because what? Because he's treated differently than everyone else? It's that simple, right? It's that simple. We can just say, well, you know, he just has to be the bigger man. He just has to, you know, brush it off. It's not that simple. And, you know, beginning I think it was the beginning of this season, he made it his goal to do just that, right? And there was a number of games where he did it. And here's the problem. It made no impact. It had no impact on the game. The calls didn't change. They still sucked. Referees still sucked. They treat him differently. And they treat him that way regardless of how he acts. Yes, does he need to stay more in control when it comes to how he plays as this kind of starts to build up? Yes. He, he has a tendency to, you know, he gets kind of angry aggressive on offense and it does hurt him it absolutely does and that's fair that part needs to be toned down but this idea that he should just be bigger than all of it and that he shouldn't let it bother him I just don't see it's just not as simple as people want to make it out to be that's where I'm at with that and here's the thing somebody I was having this conversation with a Wolves fan and they said well Paul George Paul George isn't doing that sorry but I'm gonna call bullshit on that because guess what Watch back that game. There were two different times where Paul George gets called for offensive fouls. Now, those weren't the only two offensive fouls he committed. Those were the only two they called. And Reggie Miller even commented on this after one of them was finally called. Reggie Miller laughed. He said, oh, I guess they are going to call that on him. He's only been doing it all game. And guess what Reggie, or guess what Paul George did? Both times they called it. He complained. Got in the ref's face. Talked to him. Not only that, it was an extended period of time. On one of the calls, there was a, a break or something, uh, maybe a free thrower of some sort, and guess what Paul George did? Immediately goes over and starts talking to the ref. What's going on? Why is this called? Blah, blah, blah. Other players complain. Carl Towns 
is not the only one that does this. I feel like we have. I feel like a broken record having to have this conversation so often. Yet Wolves fans, so many of you do not understand. This isn't rocket science, okay? Other players do it. They all do it. This, the funny thing is, we sit here and we judge Carl Towns for doing it. He doesn't even do it as much as a lot of these other guys. Watch Luka Doncic play sometime. My goodness, I'm not sure anyone complains as much as him. Chris Paul, holy smokes, constantly complaining, constantly in the referee's ear. They all do it. They all do it. Let's stop this nonsense where we treat Carl Towns like he's the exception to the rule. So that's how I feel about that. I think uh, rant over, I guess you could say. Uh, again, you've been listening. This is the Howl. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. Looking at some of the other aspects of this game, it's interesting. The game started, and I found myself watching D'Angelo Russell, and I just I, I remember thinking that he just seemed off. He didn't seem like he was all there, and then. And to a point, actually, where I was, like, frustrated by watching him play, and I felt like, do they need to pull him for a bit? Does he need to like, get his head straight? I didn't I didn't know what was really going on. There's something seemed off with him. And then it was like uh, a switch flipped, and he became this completely different player. He became the guy that you need if you're the Wolves to win basketball games, and he took over. And Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards started strong. Anthony Edwards finished strong. He was absolutely fantastic in this game. Both those guys are the reason you win this game. Absolutely the reason why. Without them, it's a completely different thing. Now, granted, that's the obvious, right? You watch that game. You didn't watch that game. If you looked at just the box score, you can honestly understand that those two players had a massive impact on that game. The guy that I want to really shout out, Nas Reed. Nas Reed ended up having to play, obviously, pretty big minutes because Carl Towns was out, obviously. And I've touched on this before about how Nas Reed really frustrates me. His inability to rebound the basketball. There's so many things about his game. Like, there's holes in his game that some of which are absolutely glaring. One of which is his inability to rebound the basketball. I have to give him all of the credit in the world. He was great at boxing out in that game, had some huge rebounds, hit some big shots. The man did so many good things. And when I watch back that game, it wasn't my normal, what is happening, negativity towards what I'm seeing with Nas Reed. He was fantastic. Nas Reed was huge, absolutely huge with Carl Towns being in foul trouble for a large part of that game. And Nas Reed ended up having to finish the game. You don't win that game without Nas Reed. He was fantastic. I went into that game worried about Nas Reed and wondering if Greg Monroe was going to get some time. I didn't think that was going to happen because Greg was so new to things. And it takes time, I think, for a, a coach to really put their trust in somebody. And that was such a big spot. To me, it didn't. I just didn't see Greg Monroe playing. And so I was worried. And I was wrong to worry because Nas Reed was fantastic. So good in that game. Just so many things that he did, whether it's his ability to hit threes, whether it was uh, he had a big second chance bucket in the fourth quarter. So many things to like about Nas Reed. And I just, I got to give him all the credit in the world. Other guys, you know, you look at, I saw some debates about, 
Jared Vanderbilt and what he was able to do as far as defensively. One of the concerns, of course, with Jared Vanderbilt is offensively. He's not a guy that's really going to offer you much on the offensive end of the basketball. It just isn't. He can do some, you know, pick and roll stuff. He can, you know, lob dunks. You'll see that from time to time. A lot, I mean, a lot of his scoring is dunks. There was a lot of talk throughout this season that he had been working on three-point shooting. It's not part of his game. Has he made a three-pointer this year? Yeah, I think he made one, maybe two. But it has not been a part of his game. He's not out there to shoot shots. He's not going to take jumpers pretty much any form. Threes, mid-range. You're just not seeing a lot of that. It's going to be inside shots. That can be a concern as you watch the Wolves play and as you watch the way teams defend. Carl Towns was getting double, sometimes triple teamed. And you think about part of the reason for that is a guy like Jared Vanderbilt. If you're the defense, you don't really have to worry that much about him. Now, one thing that's kind of plagued the Wolves throughout this season is when teams choose to double and triple team Towns, you have the issue of guys standing around. What the Wolves need to do, to me, it's kind of twofold. And I had this, I've had this debate with a few people uh, in the Wolves community. When you look at Carl Towns, one thing that I felt was lacking in that Clippers game was an inside presence from Carl Towns specifically. When they were double-teaming him and they weren't allowing him open shots on the perimeter, we weren't able to be effective. And they're double to, when they're double and triple-teaming, if guys aren't moving, if we're not embracing that, to me, you can, you can flounder a little bit. And I think we did at times have that issue when Towns is on the floor. So to me... The, it's twofold. What we need to do is we need to embrace the three, we need to embrace the inside, and we need to let the game dictate which direction we end up going. That's that's the way I see it. It's like anything else. Carl Towns is going to get double and triple teamed. Other guys are open. Movement is going to be key. And that's why Anthony Edwards is so important. When he drives in, when he cuts, uh, Jared Vanderbilt at times during the season has been a good cutter. If we could get him to be very Jake Lehman-like. Jake Lehman's a fantastic cutter. Say what you want about Jake Lehman, whether you like him as a player or not. Fantastic cutter. Moves well without the basketball. There's things to like there. You need that from the other guys. And I think part of the what's going to help the Wolves is, as you see Anthony Edwards and his ability to drive, you see D'Angelo Russell, his ability to not only drive, but his finishing ability. He was fantastic in that Clippers game. A number of great-looking floater shots. That's a huge part of any any successful point guard's re, uh, regime, uh, or I guess uh, what, what they have in their bag of tricks. And that was huge for us. And so when you're the Memphis Grizzlies and you see that, how does that change how you end up guarding Carl Towns? Now, uh, throughout the season when we played them, they didn't do as much uh, the double-teaming. They did a lot of guarding Carl Towns with a bigger guy. I do believe they also did the Brandon Clark method. I believe he did did some guarding of Carl Towns, I think. You know, they've got, whether it's Brandon Clark, whether it's Triple J, Steven Adams, those are guys that are definitely probably going to rotate around. And when you look at that Clippers series, or that Clippers game, there were issues there, right? There were issues with the double and triple teaming. What I think would have helped in that game specifically is what they talked about after the game. Shaq mentioned how, to him, he would have gone inside more. 
Now, granted, throughout the season, they've said the same thing, and that would have been incredibly stupid. To not, to not embrace what Carl Towns is as a shooter is a huge mistake. If you're not going to embrace his ability to hit mid-range shots, his ability to hit three-point shots, you are doing a disservice to his game. It's one thing for Coach K to do it in college because you want to expand him as a player. You don't want him to rely on that. I think that's one thing. But now that he's a professional, now that we've seen what he can do, the three-point shot needs to be a large part of his game. It does. But here's the deal. If teams are going to double and triple team him, the best use of him is as more of a decoy. Whether it's fakes, whether it's, you know, however they want to, however they want to set that up. To me, again, double, triple team, guys are open. Movement is key. And here's the way I look at this. And this goes back to my original point where it's kind of twofold, right? One can set up the other. So if you embrace that double and triple team, if you're aware of the fact that it could happen, and if you have a game plan in place for if it does, boom, you're set. You're going to have guys cutting. You're going to have Anthony Edwards being able to drive the basketball. Passing is going to be key. Once you do that, if you start scoring inside, right, you're going to force them off of Carl Towns. They're not going to be able to double and triple team anymore because it's not going to be successful. And just like that, you've jumped into now, instead of you know double teams and triple teams, maybe they got to guard you straight up, and now Towns is going to get some open looks. There's lots of things and ways to be successful with a player like Carl Towns, and I fully expect that to, to change. We saw in the Clippers game, we just didn't, we just didn't weren't effective, I don't think, in the way we used Towns. Of course, you want to look at he didn't play a whole lot. He had foul trouble, all that stuff. But the first seven or eight minutes of that game, he wasn't in foul trouble, and he wasn't effective. They were able to take him out of the game. And what's impressive about that is, and this for anyone that hasn't seen this, when they talked to Carl Towns after practice the other day, he mentioned how, you know what, they did it. You know, I wasn't flustered. It didn't bother me if they wanted to do that. And guess what else? He says, it didn't work. And he's right. It didn't work. Their game plan was, you want to stop the Timberwolves? You stop Carl Towns. Nope. Sorry. doesn't work that way. You stop Carl Towns, other guys in the team can step up. And they did just that. And that's going to be one of those things. If you look back at the historic series this year against the Grizzlies, when you jump into that series, that's been huge is that D'Angelo Russell has been fantastic against the Grizzlies. We saw in this Clippers game, D'Angelo Russell, fantastic. And he basically is one of the main reasons you win the game. So looking at that, now let's uh, let's see. How do we want to do this? Let me jump into kind of the end of the game here. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to turn on there's a there's a good there's a well-done video on YouTube you can watch where it's the last 4 or 5 minutes or so of that Clippers game. And I think that's kind of interesting and I think it's worth kind of breaking it down or watching it watching it unfold and discussing it. I think that's a a good way to kind of uh I guess, broach that game specifically. I do encourage, by the way, anyone that wants to talk about that game or anyone that has any uh, any th- questions or comments or anything like that, reach out to me on Twitter, at the Sportsmen, of course, at the Howl Radio. We are available any of those locations, and uh, we are always going to be there. So let me jump in here. I'm going to get this queued up, and then we will we'll jump right into these the final minutes of the Clippers game. 
discuss this a little bit more, and then we're also going to you know jump into a preview a bit on the Memphis Grizzlies game as well. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. Again, this is The Howl, talking about the Grizzlies' upcoming series and, of course, the Clippers. I'm going to jump now into just a – there's a cool video on YouTube which just breaks down the final three minutes of regular of regulation in the uh, Clippers game. So Paul George drives in, throws it out to Nick Patoon. Wolves are up 99-95 to at this point. They throw it out to Patoon. Batoon is one of those guys that is an absolute Wolves killer. This was no different. He hits the big corner three. They leave him wide open. I will say I thought our defense was much, much better in this game as a whole, but there were still times where we just left guys wide open. But guess what? Guys are able to answer right back in this instance. Anthony Edwards with a huge step back three. You just can't say enough but Anthony Edwards. And when you watch this game... How can you not say to yourself, Anthony Edwards is a superstar? Now, maybe he hasn't reached full-on superstar status, and I think that's fair because there was a stretch of games where he was very inconsistent this season. But his ability to just show up in big games is so incredibly important for this Wolves team. Now you're talking Wolves get a stop. There's a little over two minutes to go. Anthony Edwards has the ball, 10 seconds on the shot clock. He hits it to Pat Beverly. Pat Bev gets an open shot, unable to hit it, but Wolves are able to scramble. They do get the ball back. D'Angelo Russell grabs it. There's two minutes left now, 10 seconds on the shot clock. D'Angelo Russell's got the ball. He resets, which is huge, and then he hits just a fantastic mid-range, kind of a step back, a shot. You know, it's one of those worst shots in basketball type things, right, where you're like almost a three, but it's not. And then you run down the court, and it's it's this is my concern with this next series is they they get the miss. The Wolves do a great job of getting that miss, kind of in transition, and right away Zubats grabs the rebound. That's my concern when I look ahead to the Grizzlies game. Right, is Stephen Adams? He's been a thorn in our side so often this season, but. In this instance, the Wolves are still able to fight through the basketball, though. They get it back. They go in transition. D'Lo gets fouled. No call. They also don't call what, to me, looks like it might have been a travel at that point. So, again, the foul caused the travel. So it didn't bother me all that much. Plus, it really benefits the Wolves because now they can try to take a little shot, a little more time off the clock if they want to. In this instance, though, Anthony Edwards gets the wide-open corner three. Unfortunately, misses by a lot. It is a, unfortunately, it is an air ball, but the Wolves do end up getting it back, and they have the ball now at the top of the key. D'Angelo Russell's got the ball, 15 on the shot clock. And now we're talking, uh, they jump ahead a little bit here. They jump a little bit ahead here. One, one thing that gets missed in in that is, so yes, we got the rebound back, but then Anthony Edwards actually gets called for a foul on the inbounds, and it's one of those kind of tick, it's not ticky-tack, there was a ton of contact. It's almost kind of like a crash, like a crash and pass, but it wasn't that. He was running to get closer to the inbounds line. The guy just steps in front of him. Those plays kind of bug me a little bit. I get why they call it. It's part of the game, but does anyone really like that sort of thing? I know Jim Pete touches on that a lot. How he's not a fan of the the you know the pa- pass and crash. I- I'm with him. I-, I think it's kind of a stupid part of the game. It just kind of frustrates me. I don't like this. I don't. I don't like that aspect. 
You see it too sometimes in transition. Carl Towns kind of gets involved in this sometimes where guys kind of run down the court, doesn't even have the ball sometimes, and you'll just like stop and try to draw a foul. I, I don't think that's really – to me, that's not the spirit of the game. I don't need to see that. But anyways, this video jumps ahead a little bit. Wolves get the miss though, unfortunately. And then on the rebound, a bunch of guys fall over. So it's unfortunately not a great situation for the Wolves. D'Angelo Russell smart enough to understand that the Wolves have a foul to give. And he does give that foul in transition. So now you're talking, there's just over a minute left. And the Clippers have the ball, 104-101. Wolves are on top by three. Uh, you know, a nice drive by Reggie Jackson. He's able to get inside, but the Wolves do a, a pretty good job at the hoop and are able to get the stop there, which is huge. And now you're talking Anthony Edwards. He's got the ball, and he's setting up for something big, you think. Takes the shot clock down, which is pretty important. And... And he just what's what's huge about Anthony Edwards is he gets right around his guy Morris, gets to the hoop and is able to draw the foul, and something we have not touched on yet, but this was a common thing in this game: missed free throws. For everyone that wanted to complain about the officiating, and let's be honest, I don't think the officiating was good in this game. But you know what? What does it matter if when you actually do get fouls called, you can't make your free throws? So incredibly frustrating. How often guys missed free throws in this game? Absolutely maddening. And it wasn't just one guy. The whole team was doing it. Whether it was D'Lo, whether it was Anthony Edwards, whether it was Patrick Beverly. Guys, make your free throws. Absolutely maddening. And this game wouldn't have even been close if we could just make our free throws. But regardless, you've got a five-point lead now. 38.5 seconds to go in the game. Things are looking you know, they're looking pretty good. And you have some really good defense from Jared Vanderbilt, who was able to get a hand up. A really good contest on the corner three from Paul George. Make sure that he doesn't foul. Wolves get that rebound and push it up. And Patrick Beverly gets fouled. Again, you're up five. Now there's 32 seconds left to go in the game. Things are looking pretty good, right? You've got the basketball. You're happy. Patrick Beverly's at the line. And what happens? He, The first shot go, ends up going in. It's not pretty. Hits the back rim, shoots up in the air, goes down and goes in. I think you're very fortunate if you're Patrick Beverly that that went in. But you know what? Sometimes better to be lucky than good. There's a reason why it's a saying. Pat Bev then gets that second attempt. And just like we talked about, and the importance of making your free throws. And what does he do? He misses it. They get uh, Clippers get the rebound. And Paul George, can we credit Paul George? He hits an absolutely in incredible shot down the stretch here. Now, uh, I have the possessions wrong a little bit, so we actually end up getting the steal. Paul George does not get the basketball there, and Anthony Edwards makes one of two. So now the Wolves are on top by seven. Again, 20 seconds left. You feel like it's pretty much over, right? But Paul George hits this ridiculously deep step-back three where Jade McDaniels is fairly in his face. Now it's a four-point game, 12 and a half seconds left. The game's the game's in your grasp, right? You feel pretty confidently you've won this game now. And uh, this is an interesting thing to me. So it's a four-point game. It's 108-104. And for whatever reason, the Clippers just don't foul for like six seconds. And at that point, I, I you say to yourself, what, even if Malik Beasley misses both of these shots, what exactly are you going to do if you're the Clippers? What are you going to do? You don't have any timeouts. You can't advance the basketball. He misses them. You end up having to run down the court. There's not enough time. Huge mistake. Huge mistake by the Clippers. And I'm not going to complain, though. 
and obviously everyone else understands how this goes. Uh, missed free throw, but Beverly gets the rebound, ends up throwing the ball in the air, and that is all she wrote. Wolves win 109-104. to 104. Beverly and Edwards jumping on the scorer's table, just like KG did all those years ago, and that's when s- celebration ensued. And for anyone that hasn't paid attention to what's been happening this week, I still cannot believe the amount of vitriol, the amount of anger or upsetness we have seen from people all over the sports world about the Wolves. People are upset. Fans are upset because they think we celebrated too much. Let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago that people thought Anthony Edwards didn't love basketball. And now we're going to say guys are trying too hard, or I mean are celebrating too much. Are we serious? This is actually a thing? I I just don't get it. If you want to listen to Two really good takes on this. And by the way, they agree with what I'm saying. It's absurd to say someone celebrates too much. J.J. Redick and Rich Eisen, I thought, had really good takes. You can find those on YouTube. I strongly suggest you give them a listen. They break. They just they describe it. They explain it really, really well. And this idea that, oh, the Wolves are acting like they won the championship. You know what? No. There's a lot of passion that goes into this. I wish I could say it better. But J.J. Redick really explains this point really, really well. Talks about a time when he similarly, in a game that was not a championship game, but a game that was emotional, a game that was big nonetheless, and he cried afterwards. And there's nothing wrong with that. Guys do that. I'll tell you right now, when I coached, when I was a co- when I was coaching high school-age kids, the first championship we, run, we won in the league I coached in, I cried. I was emotional. I was. It's a huge deal. And guess what? It wasn't an NBA championship. Yes, it was a championship. It was. But sometimes that's what sports does. And to to sit here and to judge somebody or get upset with somebody, I'm sorry, but seriously, we're doing that now? You can't have it both ways. Guys don't want it enough. Guys want it too much. You know what? Let's just let players, let's just let fans, whoever, celebrate as much as they want to. The Wolves haven't been a team that's mattered in 18 years. Yes, we all get it. We know that Jimmy Butler was here. Great. We all also want to forget that. And no one, as far as I'm concerned, almost no one that matters in the Wolves community looks back at those memories fondly. We finally have a team we can get behind that we like, players that we want to cheer for. And it's not only that, they're good. This is a good basketball team, a great coaching staff. There's so much to like. And you know what? I'm going to celebrate, and I don't care who it upsets. And if you're the players, you feel the same way, and that's just all there is to it. Now, I think that's enough talking about that Clippers game. We've touched on that a lot. Let's dive in a little bit more about the Grizzly series. Now, I I was on record when I did my last show, and I touched on the fact that I think – so I basically broke down the entire playoff picture. Now, a few things I didn't expect – I did not expect what happened got announced today, which is COVID protocols, and that is Paul George uh, into the pro- COVID protocols. Now, as I'm recording this, that game is not over yet. That game, I actually don't even know what the score is, if I'm being honest. I don't, I don't know what happened with that. So, uh, But it certainly appeared uh, when I was watching this earlier that you know Paul George is going to be out. Do the Clippers really have much of a shot to beat the Pelicans? I didn't think so on the surface. Well, as I look at it right now, 75-66 Clippers are on top. That is very surprising to me. Earlier on uh, in the night, too, by the way, I was expecting a Cavaliers victory. 
especially knowing they were getting Jared Allen back. They didn't win that game. That was a close loss. And now it looks like the Clippers might win this game. Very surprising to me. But the nice thing about if the Clippers were to win, Paul George is going to come back, yes. But they did have an announcement earlier today that Kawhi Leonard, it looks like, is not going to play for the playoffs. And there's definitely a little bit of a discrepancy there as far as how the team views him and how he views himself. And it definitely feels like with that grouping, it's starting to feel a little bit like the Spurs again. For anyone that doesn't remember that, there were some issues with Kawhi Leonard not wanting to come back. He didn't feel like he could come back yet. The team felt like he could. Sounds like we're getting a little bit of that now with the Clippers. At a certain point, you say to yourself, is he the reason there's problems, right? It sure seems that way to me. I don't know. The whole thing is a little goofy, and that's not really the main point I'm touching on here. But if the Clippers end up winning, now you're talking Clippers. You know, that's another team that obviously we've we've proven we can beat, right? You you have some confidence there, and now knowing that Kawhi Leonard's not going to be in the series, that makes a difference, right? Pelicans are a team that we have struggled with at times. I don't know what's going to happen with Zion Williamson. I believe my understanding is that's kind of a reverse. If if I recall the way I was reading this today is that Zion thinks he's ready to play. We've seen the video of him dunking recently, and he looks he looked great. Granted, it's just a little video. It doesn't really tell us a whole lot, but if you're Zion Williamson, to me, you don't really gain any fans. You don't really look good posting that if, you, if you're the one that's holding out. So to me, it looks like we're kind of an opposite thing there where the Pelicans don't feel he's ready. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Ultimately, I don't think these wins... So the Hawks and the Clippers and the Pelicans, I don't think it's really going to have any sort of an impact on the Wolves. Could it down the stretch? Of course, I guess, if those teams made runs. I don't think it's feasible. I don't think it's likely that either of those teams make runs. Atlanta, maybe. I could see Atlanta maybe making a run just because uh, something about that team, you know, they did it last year. They surprised some people. But ultimately, I don't think either of those teams are going to make much noise come playoff time. Now, that, now I will say, if, if Paul George comes back sooner than later, that's different. But I don't know how long he's going to be out for COVID protocols. That makes things a little tough. So we'll see what happens there. Bottom line, I'm sticking with all my predictions. I have it set up right now. You know, I think it's going to end up being Wolves make it to the Western Conference Finals where they lose to the Suns. Suns make it to the championship. On the east side of things, you have the Bucks taking on the Heat, and I have the Bucks moving on, and then the Suns winning the championship, beating the Bucks. And I was actually able to, so I was able to request this bet uh, with the betting site that I use, and I was able to uh, get uh, hundred to one odds, which is pretty good. I, I made it, you know, a small wager. I didn't made, I didn't wager much, but heck, even three dollars wins you three hundred bucks. Your ROI there is fantastic. So, uh, just uh, that's where I'm at as far as predictions are concerned. So obviously, when you think about that, you look at this series coming up against the Grizzlies. Yes, I absolutely have us beating the Grizzlies. That's that's how I personally see it setting up. There's a lot of things to keep in mind when it comes to the Grizzlies. One of the biggest concerns that I have is Steven Adams. He's a guy, he's been an absolute Wolves killer in terms of rebounding the basketball, second chance points. These are things we have to find a way to get in control. I, I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say that that has been a concern. If you're a Wolves fan, now granted, if you're a if you're a Wolves fan, you also have to say, well, you know what? There are also games where we dominated, where we played really well against the Grizzlies. So it's definitely there's definitely been some Jekyll Hyde to this matchup, and that's what makes it so good. 
I would be absolutely shocked if this didn't go to six or seven games. Absolutely shocked. The key, a big key for the Wolves, win game, win one of the first two games, right? Get a win in Memphis, and all of a sudden you've taken home court advantage away. That's big. If you told me right now, by the way, one of these two teams was to get a sweep, I would pick the Wolves. I just would. I, I don't know what it is about this Wolves team, but to me, something about it. I Here's a good example. When we look at this big cele- celebration gate, if you want to call it that, all the issues there, when you look at that portion of this storyline, to me, it kind of reminds, it kind of has like a pants on the ground kind of feel. For anyone that doesn't remember that, right, when Brett Favre was here with uh, the Vikings and they had that, uh, you know, 9 run where they had a good shot of making it to the Super Bowl. It didn't work out. This feels a little bit like that to me. Kind of like it's just your moment where it just feels like it's your chance to shine. And that doesn't mean I think we're going to win a championship. I don't. But I do think we're going to make a run in this playoffs. And I'm, I'm very excited for that. And those two... So the four games that we've that we played against the Grizzlies. Uh, you know, there's definitely some highs and lows there. John Morant, there's a, you know, for anyone that doesn't hasn't seen this, uh, I definitely recommend if you don't already, uh, follow Dane Moore, but he uh on Twitter, he actually sent out uh an interesting video of basically it was a breakdown of a play or a series of plays guarding John Morant. And the the different ways that we can do it. Uh, one thing that we'll do sometimes with Carlin Towns is like a hard show. So you're talking like, let's say the, the other team sets a screen. John Rank goes to go around. Carl Anthony Towns will run up, kind of cuts him off a little bit just to put some pressure on and you back off. If you can force John Morant into taking jump shots, I think that's big. Keep him out of the paint. Keep him from driving. You got to be smart that way, right? But you also have to rotate. There were times when we played the Grizzlies where we didn't rotate well and they've got shooters. I don't need to have another t- game where we're having this conversation with Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain blowing the wolves out of the water. I don't need to, I don't need that conversation. It's going to be so incredibly important, especially when we're running zone, which is a scheme that we definitely run at times. When we're running a zone defense, guys have to scramble. At times during the year, that was a concern. That was an issue. In that Clippers game, we did a really good job at that. So there's lots of little things that are going to be so important in the series. Yes, Carl Towns has to stay out of foul trouble. I think he will. I think Carl Towns is going to have a really good series. I also think it's there's a chance that we see some Greg Monroe because I think Greg Monroe could be really important in this series because, again, yes, Nas Reed seemed better in that game against the Clippers. But now you're talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. You're talking about Steven Adams, Brandon Clark. These are guys that rebound the hell out of the basketball. Sorry, Nas Reed, but you don't do that. Greg Monroe could be valuable in this series. I don't know if he's going to be. I don't know if he's going to play. But it's good to have him there, and it's good to have that option. In addition, it sounds like Chris Finch is uh, feels it's going to be important to use J-Mac in this series. I like that. J-Mac, for, for people that, whether you like him, whether you love him, whether you hate him, I, I got to say he's been solid this season. He has. He had some, you know, a large portion of the first half of the season that wasn't there. But we've seen down the stretch, we've seen definitely since All-Star break, maybe it was even the new year, J-Mac is a new player. J-Mac is a vital part of what we've done here. And it's good to give other guys breaks. You're giving D'Angelo Russell some breaks, right? You're giving 
Patrick Beverly some rest. These are important things if the Wolves are going to be successful. In addition, if it if we do in fact get Torrey and Prince back, that is a game changer. His three-point shooting has been on point for a large portion of this season. Now you're adding in his good defense. There's so many things that he's able to bring to the table that very few other players do. And now you're talking about just the incredible switchability the Wolves have when you talk about Torrey and Prince, Jaden McDaniels. They just have the ability to run so many cool lineups, and it's going to match up well. I think this is a team, you know, a Grizzlies team that we can very much beat. I had concerns if we would have been the eight seed and we were taking on the Suns. I don't think it's realistic to say that we win a series against the Suns in seven games. I do think it's realistic to say we can beat Memphis in seven games. I absolutely do. Is it likely? You know what? I actually might say it is likely because that's my pick. I think we do it. I think we pull the series out, and I do think we end up advancing. I, that's where I'm at. I think that happens. It's going to be an interesting series. I saw someone talk about this. I don't know who it was offhand, but there was someone on Twitter, and this to me was super frustrating. Somebody on Twitter was touching on on this fact, and it it was this idea, and this to me is so incredibly frustrating. The idea that if you're Memphis, you have Dylan Brooks, and he can just shut down Anthony Edwards. No big deal. Like He's going to be able to stop Anthony Edwards, but the Wolves don't have anybody that can stop John Morant. Come on. That's absolute nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. I'm sorry, but Dylan Brooks isn't just shutting down Anthony Edwards. I'm sorry, but it's not happening. If you want to tell me the Wolves don't have anyone that has the ability to shut down John Morant, I'm going to come back right at you and say, I'm sorry, but guess what, Memphis? You don't have anyone that's shutting down Anthony Edwards when he is at the peak of his game. In addition, guess who else you're not shutting down? You're probably not shutting down D'Angelo Russell if he's at the peak of his game. And guess what? Four out of four games this season, D'Angelo Russell destroyed the Grizzlies. He was fantastic. Now we're going to add in Carl Towns. Carl Towns, at times, had uh, you know a little bit of struggles against the Grizzlies, just in terms of, you know, Steven Adams is a, a tough player. There's no doubt about it. He's a guy that just gets under your skin. I don't know about you, but I am a huge Steven Adams fan, not only as a person, but as a player. He's had so many great moments in terms of quotes and stuff like that. There was the uh, moment where he got, I believe he was voted like toughest guy, and his response was something along like, what does that even mean? Like, what does that even mean? I just, I just think he's such a fantastic player. There's so many things to like about, uh, about Stephen Adams. Now we're playing him though, and the key for Stephen Adams is second chance points. Key for Stephen Adams is offensive rebounding, just rebounding the basketball in general. The Wolves have to find a way to stop him. That's key, and that's where again, a player like Greg Monroe could come in. Let's take a look at some of these past games, by the way. So. February 24th was the most recent one. Wolves taking on the Grizzlies. You know, really good game. Ended up coming down really to the second half where, you know, the Wolves got down big in that first quarter. They were down 31-21. And then they ended up winning the next three quarters. You know, they win by seven in the second. They win by four in the third. They win by four in the fourth. End up winning that game by five points. And you look at some of the guys that got the job done, guess what? Steven Adams, 12 rebounds. Not a ton of points, but you had three 20-point scorers if you're Memphis. That's big. Jump over to the Wolves' side of the basketball, and 
a guy that you know didn't have his best game, and this was part of that stretch where he was struggling a bit. Anthony Edwards, you know, he didn't get the job done. But DeAndre Russell, thirty-seven points, nine assists, two rebounds. I'm sorry, who exactly is shutting down DeAndre Russell? Because here's the thing: if we're gonna say that you're gonna have a guy just jump in and stop Anthony Edwards, now granted, I, it's it's important to know that Dylan Brooks did not play in. To be honest, I don't know if he played in any of the games the Wolves played them this year. But you know what? Let's just say, for argument's sake, Dylan Brooks is the ant stopper. Well, guess what? He was bad in this game. You still lost. Right? Anthony Edwards was stopped for the most part, and you still lost the game. Because guess what? D'Angelo Russell was fantastic. These are things that the Grizzlies are going to have to deal with. And this idea, again, that nobody can stop John Morant, but we've got this guy that can easily stop Ant. Good. Let's see you do it. Let's see that be the case. Let's see that be the case. And if you're able to get the job done, you know, more power to you. But ultimately, there's three. It's a big three-headed monster. It's one of the best benches in the league. I don't see the Grizzlies winning this series. I just don't. I have so much confidence, and I don't feel like this is a homer take. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the homer of all takes. Maybe I'm I'm sitting here saying this, and, and, and maybe people are listening thinking that I'm ludicrous, that I'm just... I'm being delusional. But you know what? I don't I don't feel that way. I don't think that's the case. I ultimately think the Wolves win this series. I think the Wolves are going to prove to be the better team. Have they been the better team on the season? No, obviously not. They're the seventh seed for a reason. The Grizzlies are the two seed for a reason. But for but for me, this is a team that we really match up well against. And I, I like our chances, and, and that's kind of how I feel with this. I'm trying to bring up our previous games here uh the unfortunate thing is it's got it set up as like a lot of the schedule aspects here are set up as playoff playoffs only so the only thing that comes up when i'm looking here is the the series coming up as opposed to previous games uh so let's uh give me a second here and we're going to jump right into taking a look at the the other matchups we had against the Grizzlies this season. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel, and we are the Howl, your source for Timberwolves Radio. All right, so taking a look here at the other three games. You know, it was a matter of Wolves won at home and Grizzlies won at home. That's how it worked. Grizzlies took uh, the first shot, winning 125 to 118. And then the Wolves, how about this? For anyone that does not remember this, the Wolves won the second matchup. This was, you know, November, so it's tough to really say that this is the the same teams, right? But the Wolves won 138 to 95. You won by 43 points. That's that's a pretty big deal. Can we agree on that? So, I think you can understand why I sit here and I say to myself, I think the Wolves got a shot here of making this a good not only a good series, but winning the series, like winning the games. Uh looking at this game, uh yeah, so I do believe that they did not have Dylan Brooks for any games. Now, this was an example of, you know, a big game from from all our guy, all, all our big name, right? 23 points from Edwards, 28 from Russell, 21 from Towns, right? Not shocking. The team played well, bottom line. You look over at the Memphis Grizzlies, and, you know, it, it, kind of an interesting thing here for me because you didn't, I, and I don't remember what the scenario here is. I don't remember if, if Steven Adams got hurt. But Steve Adams did not play much in this game and was only able to get, what, two rebounds? 
I mean, you really don't see that very often, but only played 17 minutes, was a minus 21. John Morant played in this game. He played, you know, 26 minutes. Eventually, obviously, you're going to pull a guy. You know, an interesting thing, and a name I kind of had forgotten about, but Zaire Williams uh, has been solid for them uh, when he's played us. Uh, he's an interesting player that I think a lot of people understand. He's, you know, he's another another player you add to that list of quote unquote Wolves killers, guys that really seem to get the job done. You know, then you had that one sixteen to one hundred eight Grizzlies win. That was the uh, they were able to extend their streak to eleven games. They had uh, as as they talk about here. A lot of that was dependent on the second half. Wolves had a seven-point lead going into halftime, and then it was just all Memphis in that third quarter, and that was really the biggest difference maker. You look at the box score in that game, and we touched on this earlier about how incredibly well D'Angelo Russell played in these games. Another game, 29 points, 25 from Carl Towns, 30 from Anthony Edwards. The problem you run into is that after those three guys, you didn't get a lot of production out of players. There wasn't a lot there. Now, granted, good rebounding, 13 boards from Jared Vanderbilt, but no one else is in double figures. It's a little tough. But again, this is a different team now. We're a better team now than we were at that point. So these are all the things that uh, I think are important as we look ahead to this Grizzlies series. I also think that's kind of that's probably a good place to, to kind of end this week's show. That's a lot to touch on. I think... When you look at this series, it's going to be must-watch, whether you're a Wolves fan, a Grizzlies fan, just an NBA fan. And you talk about uh, you know, high ratings. The Wolves playing game against the Clippers, one of the highest-rated, I believe, if I read this correctly, it was the highest-rated TNT game on the season. So let that sink in. A lot to like here if you are a Wolves fan. Again, if you missed any of this show on Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel, you can find us everywhere that you find podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. You can find us on all of those different locations. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of The Howl. And we'll obviously uh, come back at you after game one of the Grizzlies series. And we'll go from there. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. And until next time, let me get a howl.